Previously on Recycled Grace, God asks his people to wage holy war. But instead of his people waging a holy war, they wage an unholy war. They live among the people. They intermarry with the people and they serve the gods of the people. Instead of being friends with God, they became enemies of God. Now, I want you to see what happened to the nation of Israel when they failed to wage a holy war, how this impacted their spiritual lives, how it affected their relationship with God. Uh, turn your Bibles with me to Judges chapter number three and verse number seven. The text reads, so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And they forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. For laying in bed with the enemy, for failing to do God's task, they forgot God and they served the gods of the land. You see, God doesn't understand when he must compete with other gods. God always wants to be in position number one. And when God is competing with other gods, there are always consequences. And I want you to see how God punished his people because of their unwillingness to do his will. What God did is he brought a foreign ruler called Kushan Rithaim. He kept Israel under his thumb for eight years. The people feeling the pain of this foreign ruler, they cried out to God and God raised up Athniel, the brother of Caleb. He delivered Israel from Cushan Rithaim and the land had rest and peace for 40 years. Now you would think that Israel would learn the lesson not to turn away from God. But they didn't learn the lesson. In fact, this is what happens. And look at verse number, number 12. In fact, this really blew my mind away. Watch this. And the children of Israel, again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Again, did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Uh, today, I want to tell you the concept, get your mind back. Get your mind back. Welcome to Recycled Grace. This is episode number four. What we're understanding in this series is how God is interacting with his people after they have messed up. In fact, today's sermon is going to help you to see the essence of why the book of Judges is written. It's going to help you to understand that Israel kept going back to the same old things. Once again, today's sermon is called Get Your Mind Back. Can the room just repeat after me? Get your mind back. Get your mind back. Let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we... 
we pause to simply ask you to do something in us. Please, Lord, dislodge us from our pride. Dislodge us from our selfishness. And I pray, Lord, that Jesus would be heard today. That he would be seen today. That somebody would want to follow him more closely, more nearly, and more dearly. Lord, use me for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Israel did evil again. They did it again. Do you find yourself doing it again? It, that habit. It, that sin. It, that mistake. It, the one thing you said you would never do again. Do you find yourself in the same trap again? Do you find yourself caught in pride again? Do you find yourself caught in anger again? Do you find yourself cheating again? Do you find yourself sleeping late again? Do you find yourself overspending again? Do you find yourself missing the deadline again? Do you find yourself uh, worried again? Do you find yourself wondering what you're going to do again? Does the stress get you again? Do you find yourself doing the one thing you said you never do again? We need to pay attention this morning to Israel's situation because they are doing it again. Again, they are doing evil in the sight of the Lord. You see, we need to know that as believers, we live in a different reality. What that means is that God sees everything in our lives. Nothing escapes the sight of God. You may hide it, but God certainly sees it. You may hide that extra cash, but God sees it hidden. You may cheat your boss, but God sees it. Uh, you may make a fake scheme, but God sees it. We live in that reality as a believer of God. There is nothing that passes the notice of God. But you see, it reveals something else for Israel to do it again. It reveals that they had a rebellious spirit against God. They had an attitude that I will do it now. And I'm going to confess about it later. They had a nonchalant attitude. They knew that God saw them. They knew that God noticed it. They knew that God recorded it. But they did it anyway because they just didn't care. We also need to see though. That the fact that Israel is able to do it again. Is a revelation of his grace. Is a revelation of his recycled grace. That is why I call this sermon, this series, Recycled Grace. Because God again and again recycled his grace. The fact that you are able to be proud again is a sign of the grace of God. The fact that you are able to procrastinate again is a sign of the grace of God. The fact that your temper got you is a sign of the grace of God. The fact that you are not willing to believe God 
is a sign of the grace of God. Allow me to tell you something that is true. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. Because God has so much grace that your sins do not make him count you out. People may count you out for making a mistake. A girl might not date you again because you didn't take her on the best date. But God does not count you out for your mistakes. It's simply a sign of his grace. But we need to really look at Israel's situation. Why were they doing it again? There is a root to this particular situation. Allow me to bring your mind to Judges chapter number 2 to verse number 10. This text, this passage in Judges is, is the key to understanding the book of Judges. If you get these verses, you unlock everything that Judges has to say. So verse number 7 reads like this. And so the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua... And all the days the elders and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. You see, under Joshua's leadership, the nation of Israel served God. You see, a servant is one who does the will of the master. A servant does not live their life for themselves. They live their life for another. You see, under Joshua's leadership, the people serve God. And allow me to tell you something that may blow your mind. The greatest title you can have, the greatest title you can have is a servant of God. If you have that title, you have the highest title you can have because service to God is everything. Now, we live in a world that is all about service. When you go to find benzene or gasoline, you're going to a service station. When you want internet, you look for a service provider. When something has broken on your phone, you go to customer service. We look at military men and military women as servicemen. We live in a world that is steeped in service. Allow me to tell you that you were saved to serve. God took you from your life of sin and shame for you to be able to serve him. That is why I don't understand Christians who are unwilling to serve God. I don't understand Christians who are unwilling to take up a position in church. I don't understand Christians who are not willing to do a part in church. I don't understand Christians who, because of busyness, are not willing to attend church services. I don't understand that. I may understand you miss one day, you miss one week, or two weeks but if you are missing service if you are not serving God then are you really saved because if you are saved you are willing to serve if your life is committed to God 
You are willing to say, you know what, Lord? I will do your purpose. I will do your will. My life is not my own. I don't live for my job. I don't live for my family. I don't live for my ministry. I don't live for those things. I live for you. Anything that I do is to glorify your name. Anything that I touch is to make sure that people can see you in it. So you are saved to serve. If you are not serving God, we need, we need to look at your salvation. Because there's something wrong with that. Paul would often begin his letters, Paul an apostle of God, a slave of God. Moses is described as a servant of God. Joshua is described as a servant of God. Are you a servant of God? I'm glad that in the leadership of, of Joshua, he led people to serve God. Uh, we were talking about the covenant earlier today, Sister Lydia, and we looked at Noah, and we looked at Abraham, and we looked at, at Moses and David. You know what gave these men greatness is that they were able to lead others to serve God. And so here we have a man who is willing to serve God and he leads the nation to serve God and the Israelites under his leadership are serving God. But as soon as Joshua dies, they stop serving him. And notice what happens in verse number 10. Uh, in verse number 10, uh, we read, when all that generation had been gathered, gathered to their fathers, Another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work of, nor the work which he had done for Israel. Okay, so let's, let's think about this for a moment. The generation that came after Joshua was serving God under Joshua. But the moment Joshua dies, they stop serving him. Uh, to me... It seems that they made a choice. They looked at Joshua like a chaperone. Now, if you have ever been chaperoned, you understand what this means, that somebody is with you watching you. Uh, back, back, back in the day, you know, you, you, you went on a date. I, I, I was in this um, group home, and you would, you would have to tell your, we, we call them a house mother or a house father, you'd have to tell them, hey, listen, I have a date with so-and-so, and we're going to go to such and such a place. And you know what they did? They had to accompany you. And then you're like, man, this guy is all over me. Like, can I have some privacy with my date? But no, man, they were right there with you. You know what I mean? They're sitting at the table. You know, they're getting in the conversation, you know. So they looked at Joshua like a chaperone. And as soon as Joshua died, their faithfulness to God also died. Their service to God also died. They made a choice to leave God, to stop serving God. And so look, look what they did in, in verse number 11 and, and verse number 12. This is how they reacted, this new generation. They served the Baals and they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who have brought them out of the land of Egypt. Susan, this is something that really got me. Uh, this new generation, they neglected the God who took them out of Egypt. See, this detail widened my eyes. In fact, it gripped me with shock. 
they neglected the God who took them out of Egypt. They neglected the God who has saved them as a nation. They neglected somebody who helped them when they couldn't help themselves. Think about that for a second. I mean, the exodus, the, the greatest event in history of the nation, how could they forget? The exodus was their independence day. How can you forget your country's independence? It's impossible. But the Israelites, that's exactly what they did. They forgot the God who saved them. Uh, my, my father, when he was younger, used to sell bananas. Bananas. Yeah, would say Pisang in Bahasa. So he's in Blantyre. This is the second biggest city in Malawi. And he's in the city selling bananas. And through God's working, he, meet, he meets missionaries that have come to the country uh, to, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, they get a talking and they understand his story. And they discover one thing about my dad. They said, well, this young man is selling bananas because he wants to go to school. He doesn't have the money to go to school, but he is working hard to make a way for himself. He may not get so much money from the bananas, but he is working to make a way for himself. So they told my dad, listen, we want to help you to go to school. And sure enough, the rest is history. And this is the, the, the thing that my dad has always done. He's always told us this story. He said, you know what? Those missionaries, they saved me. Those missionaries took me out. They gave me a rope out of my ditch. They gave me a, a, they gave me a life jacket when I was sinking. They, they saved me. And, and so you can never forget the day that you were saved. It's impossible to forget the day you gave your life to Jesus. It's impossible to forget the day you said, Lord, I will live for you and I would, I, would, I would do your will. I would do your purpose. It's impossible to forget. But how can this nation forget? How can they forget? They did not forget. They had what I call self-induced amnesia. They had what I call, they, 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 they made a choice to abandon their God. They made a choice to say, you know what, Lord, you are not that important to us. You are not that meaningful to us. And here is what I need you to see, that the root of Israel's problem and the root of our problems is that we tend to forget the grace of God. We tend to forget that day when God stepped in for us. We tend to forget that day when he took away our shame and he told us, you know what? People have counted you out but I'm not counting you out. You know what? People have called you an alcoholic but you're not an alcoholic to me. People have called you this and that but to me, you are my child. You are my son and a lot of times we forget that moment and therefore we tend to go back to the things that bring us back down uh, we tend to do it again because we have forgotten the grace of God when you forget God's grace you will do it again when you forget what he did for you you will do it again how do you feel when you have helped somebody when they couldn't help themselves 
and they disrespect you. You're like, wait, have you forgot? I mean, did you forget that you didn't have, you couldn't pay the bill? And I, I paid, and now you are talking to me like that? Like, like did, did you forget? But usually that's what has happened. The person has forgotten the grace that they, they, they were shown. I love how one scholar puts it, and he makes a very fundamental point. He says it like this. When people lose sight of God's grace, they lose sight of God and their sense of any obligation to him. When people forget what God has done, they lose sight of it. And, and therefore, it is easy to go back to the very same things again. But you are not to forget the day that Jesus died for you. You know what I'm saying? You're not supposed to forget that. We're talking about the covenants today that it brings an obligation for us. That we enter a relationship with God, but that brings an obligation. Now, the word obligation may sound forceful. It, it may sound harsh, like, wait, 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 wait Lord, I, I should be obligated to, to God. But, but, but notice, the best obligations, Frankie, are the obligations that you choose out of love. You see, if you love your job, the obligation to be on time is a joy. You feel me? If you love your health, the obligation to eat well is a joy. If you love somebody, the obligation to be faithful is a joy. So the best obligations are the obligations that you choose. And God uses his grace to create in us an obligation that is based in love. That is why Jesus said, if you love me, then keep my commandments. If you love me, do not take the Lord's name in vain. If you love me, honor your father and your mother. If you love me, do not murder. If you love me, do not bear false witness. If you love me, do not be covetous. If you love me, do it. But if you do not love me, do not do it. When we look at the cross of Jesus, we see that he stepped in for us. We see that he took our place. He didn't have to, but he did. And what that does is it creates a certain sense of love and obligation to him. What can I do for you, Lord? Well, I will obey you. What can I do for you, Lord? I will serve you. So when we really see what Jesus did, then it's going to create that obligation born out of love. His grace is going to impact us in such a way that we're going to be able to appreciate what he has done. But our appreciation will be shown in how we live our lives. Uh, you see, if you forget what Jesus did, it's easy to go back to it again. One writer says, we should not fear the future. What we need to fear is forgetting where we have come from. We need to fear where we have come from. Uh, one, 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 I was reading somewhere and somebody made a fundamental concept. Uh, he said, usually the first generation of, of the first generation works really hard uh, to plant roots, to build a business. 
you know, they work really, really hard. But second and third generations uh, do not see the struggle. And because they do not see the struggle, they do not work as hard to maintain the legacy that they have been given. And what they do is either they waste it or run it into the ground because they forget or they do not know what it took to get where they are. In other words, they have lost their memory. In other words, they do not remember what happened. And therefore, this morning, I'm here to tell you that when it comes to the grace of God, what we need to do is to get our memories back. That is, keep it in mind. Remember what he did. Remember how Jesus suffered Remember how he left heaven and became poor for your sins and mine. Remember how he was mistreated and abused. Remember how Pilate uh, looked at him and said he is not guilty but, uh, but cursed him anyway. Remember when he was on the cross and he was spat upon. Remember when the soldiers said who is this guy. Remember when the two thieves are, are even railing and mocking Jesus. Remember that. Keep your mind on that. It will be a lot harder to go back. Allow me to help you to see how you can get your memory back. Uh, the first thing for you to keep the grace of God in mind is that you need, to be, you need to be connected. You see, what God did for the Israelites is that he put in place festivals, and he put festivals like the Passover and unleavened bread and, and, and tabernacles. And these were festivals that they had to do. And at each festival, they were to remember what God did for them in Egypt. Every day they brought little animals to be sacrificed. They were to remember what God did for them. But the people of God, they started to go through emotions these systems that God had created uh, to allow them to experience his grace were no longer effective to remind them what he had done for them. You see, we don't have festivals. We, we don't have the sanctuary, but God has also created systems. He has also created things for us that we can utilize to help us remember his grace. God has created prayer. God has created uh, Bible study. God has created worship. And if we utilize these systems properly, they will allow us to connect to God and we will always get our memories back on what God had done for us. I looked at a very uh, wonderful statement that Ellen White makes on this concept about how we can be connected so that we can get our memories back and remember what Jesus did. This is what she said, if we would be saved at last, we must all learn the lesson of penitence and faith at the foot of the cross. She's saying that, look, if you really want to, to, to be saved, if you want to make it to the finish line, you must be connected to the cross. In other words, don't never lose sight of the cross. And I love the fact that she goes very detailed into this concept. And she says like this, it would help us if we would take time to reflect and meditate on the life of Jesus from the manger to the cross. And especially if we focus on the last moments of the life of Jesus. And let me tell you, I have done this exercise. In fact, I used to do this exercise quite a bit. I would take the Bible. I would be reading 
Matthew, I'll be reading Luke, I'll be reading Mark and John, especially when Jesus is about to be crucified. And then I'll read uh, uh, him getting spat upon. I'll read him uh, having to convince uh, his disciples not to attack uh, the soldiers. I would see Judas coming and uh, smooching him on the neck and I would see him being arrested. And you know what that did for me? It created more love for Jesus. Somehow my love for fame died. My love for primacy would weaken. My love for greatness would weaken because when I focused my attention on Jesus, somehow the, the, the things of this world would grow strangely dim. And we live in a world, brothers and sisters, that we are paper chasing, we are love chasing, we are career chasing, we are chasing things, the gods of this world. And unfortunately, because our attention is so focused on those things, somehow Jesus becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. But if we turn our eyes on Jesus, when we look full in his wonderful face the things of this world will go strangely strangely dim all of a sudden you will love other things all of a sudden you will have different motivations all of a sudden you will look at the world a little bit differently so if we are to get our memories back the first thing is we need to be connected to the cross and not just once a year somebody was asking me uh, a few weeks ago, not a few weeks ago, a few days ago, says, uh, Pastor, you know, uh, how come, like, at church, you guys are not celebrating Easter? Like, like isn't Easter something, like, important? Like, we're, we're there to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, I said, well, it is important. Uh, but you see, that's just once a year that people celebrate Easter. But we need to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus every day. We need to keep it in mind every day. That is why you need to look at the life of Jesus every day and study his life every day. Be connected every day because you need a daily connection. So if you had to get your memory back, you need to be connected to the cross to see Jesus for who he really is. The second thing you need to do to get your memory back of the grace of God is you need to be repentant. You see, the people of God, they played games with repentance uh, because they only repented out of convenience. That is when it was hard. That is when they repented. Because in this particular text, uh, they, they, they are being crushed by this king called Eglon. Notice what the text says. The children of Israel served Eglon king of Moab 18 years so the children of Israel cried out to the Lord in other words when it became so painful they said Lord please help us but they were not crying in pain over their spiritual problem they just wanted God to take it away and therefore that is why they kept going back to it again and again as soon as they re felt release and reprieved they said well it's over we can go back to our old things listen to me carefully you haven't repented unless you have changed you haven't repented unless your behavior is different otherwise you are doing what i call fabricated repentance i can put it like this when you repent for real, you change how you live and behave. But when you fabricate repentance, it only lasts for a season. You see, it's good to cry 
after overspending. But you haven't repented unless you start to save your money. It's good to cry over overeating, but you haven't repented unless you start to watch how you eat. It's good to cry over poor communication, but you haven't repented unless you start to communicate properly. And so true repentance is a U-turn. I'm going in this direction, but I change the direction in which I'm going in, and I start going in the direction in which God has called me to, to, uh, to be and to live. This is what I discovered about myself. That when I have the conviction from God, one of the things that God has been convicting me about, let me just open it to you, is that I, I need to be, you know, more, more, more snappy. I need to plan better. You know, sometimes I can procrastinate on something. So God has really been convicting me about procrastination, right? And so I've been praying a lot about this, and I've been asking the Lord. I said, you know what, Lord, you got to do something in me. You got to help me out. Perhaps you, you can relate to what I'm saying. Now, lately what's been happening, and my biggest problem is this. When I get a conviction to do something, I go to my, to my um, default mentality. That is, I'm going to do it later. But lately, God has been knocking on me and, and pricking my conscience. says, Henry, do it now. Put away the shoes now. Put the card back in your wallet now. Make sure that you put the keys in the right place now. Because if you don't do it now, it's never going to get done later. And what I've discovered about myself is this. When I do not do it right on time, the idea starts to come back to me and say, well, you know, later is not so bad after all. I mean, right now I'm tired. You know, right, right now I, I need to rest. I mean, I don't really need to do it right now. And so I tend to, to defend myself. And a lot of times, many of us find ourselves in those situations where when God has convicted us about something, we either put it off or we start to defend ourselves and make whatever God is convicting us about not look as bad as how God has convicted us in the first place. But if we are to get our memories back and be connected to Jesus Christ, we need to act upon the things that God is asking us to act. We need to leave what we need to leave. We need to stop what we need to stop. We need to block what we need to block. We need to take away what we need to take away. We need to step back where we need to step back. We need to step forward where we need to step forward. We need to act by our actions. Put energy into it. That is how you get your memory back. That is how you say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to appreciate your grace. I'm going to live for you. But here's the third thing. In order for us to get our memories back, we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful. You see, the Israelites had a problem. The new generation had a problem. Look at Judges chapter 4, verse number 1. When Ehud was dead... The children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. I hope you caught it. They were faithful when the leader was alive. But when the leader died, their faithfulness also died. Listen to me carefully. You should not base your faithfulness on a leader. You need to base your faithfulness on Christ. Because when you base your faithfulness on a leader, when the leader dies... Your faithfulness is also going to die. When you base your faithfulness on a leader, when the leader is not praying, you ain't praying. 
When you base your faithfulness on the leader, when the leader ain't studying, you also ain't studying. When they fall, you also fall. And that is a problem of some of us. That we look at others. We look at our leaders. Those could be our parents. Those could be our boyfriends, our girlfriends, our, our husbands, our wives. If they ain't faithful, we're not faithful. If they're not tuning in to the service, we're not tuning in. And therefore, because we base our faithfulness on them, we don't really connect to Jesus Christ. I'm a leader. I'm a pastor. I'm glad that people should follow me. I want people to follow me. But only follow me if I'm leading you to Christ. Only follow me if you see Jesus in me. Only follow me if you feel that Jesus is getting closer to you. But if you see in me and in any other leader... Now leading you to Jesus, what you need to say, you know what, <laughs> brother, I, I get you, I see you, but you can take a step back. It's good to have your favorite book. It is good to have your favorite preacher. It is good to have your favorite singer. But what happens when your favorite preacher, what happens when your favorite author, what happens when your favorite musician messes up? Israel. Israel's problem is that they were faithful based upon the leader. And when the leader died, they also forgot God. But if you want to get your memory back, you need to be spiritually independent. That is, I will pray for myself. I will study for myself. I will go to church and tune in for myself. It doesn't matter what people around me do. I will not be dictated by those things. I will be directed by my love for Jesus Christ. After all, Jesus died for me personally. And he's going to save me personally. He's not going to save me because of those around me. And therefore, if we can be connected to Jesus, if we can be truly repentant, and if we can truly be faithful, then we will get our memories back. The grace of God will not leave us. We'll always remember what he has done and our lives are going to reflect it. I want to get my memory back today. I want to live for Jesus, y'all. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to live for nobody else. I want to live for Jesus. I, I really want to be connected to him. I really want to be truly repentant. I, I want to be faithful. What about you? You want to join me? Let, let's do this together. Let's be connected to Jesus. Let's, let's get our minds back. But I want to make a special appeal this morning to somebody who has never given their life to Jesus. You see, today you can begin that experience with Jesus. Maybe you don't know how to start. That's why I'm here. That's why Jakarta Central Church is here. That is why Facts of Life Ministries exist, to help you to get to Jesus. Pastor, yes, I want to get to Jesus. How do I do it? Well, if you're watching through Facebook, you can simply message us and you can write a message, I want Jesus. If you're on IG, you can message us the same. DM us and say, I want Jesus. If you're on YouTube, well, just type, 
one or, or something. Or if you want to get personal with me, uh, I have my number right here. We have our JCZ hotline. You can get in touch. We want you to connect to Jesus. We are here because we desire for you to know Jesus for yourself. And today it can begin. Perhaps you have lost your memory on Jesus. You can't remember the last time you were truly connected to him. You can't remember the last time that you really repented. You can't remember the last time that you really were faithful. Today, you also can begin. Today, you also can say, you know what, Lord, I want to begin the journey again. Let us get our memories back, y'all. Let us get our minds back. Let us remember what Jesus has done. Let us start living truly for God. Get your mind back. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed. Heavenly Father, we want to get our minds back. We want to remember what Jesus did. His grace, Lord, is powerful. We don't want to misuse it. We don't want to go back to it again. We want to leave it behind. Please, O oh Lord, strengthen us to remember your grace. Give us our minds back. We want to be connected. We want to be repentant. And we want to be faithful. Lord, help us today. Grant us your grace. In Jesus' mighty name, I humbly pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to see you next week. Bye.